Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is time now to check in with our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Joining us by phone today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director for Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Pastor Heisey, thanks for being our guest today on the Coffee Hour. Good morning, Andy and Sarah from up north. <laughs> are you staying safe where you are right now? I, yeah, I, we are all working remotely now. Very good, very good. And then so, travel obviously has been pretty much curtailed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the work so goes are, on. <laughs> so you're safe in, in Michigan, is that right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, tell us, give us uh, some of the, the latest updates from Lutheran Heritage Foundation and the, the recent work. Uh, you know, what, what happened prior to um, the, the uh, pandemic and then uh, also, uh, you know, what's taking place today as well? Well, I can tell you that, you know, actually some work is going on. Uh, I, I'm in contact with a lot of our people around the world, and as you can imagine, most of them are shut down right now. But uh, on our homepage, our lhfmissions.org page, we have some uh, – we had them uh, actually tape some messages of of comfort and uh, sharing uh, how important it is to have a book at this time uh, because as people are sequestered, and, and probably walking up the walls, uh, especially in some of these societies where they don't have the uh, uh, perhaps all the uh, gadgets that we do in uh, in America. It's it's really important to have a book. So uh, this becomes really important, and, and we emphasize once again uh, how important it is that people have the word or explanations of the word in their own language. So. Uh, some places are still going on, and uh, I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about that right now, because actually Indonesia is still uh, still working to some extent. Our our own Ted Natalong, who is our uh, director for Southeast Asia, uh, had been there actually in February, and uh, he, he told me, he says, I've never seen the airports so empty uh, as he was returning to, because he just recognized that when, when the Chinese aren't traveling, there just really isn't... Uh, there aren't a whole lot of people in the airport. So um, nonetheless, uh, work in Indonesia continues. Mm-hmm. What, now, the, these books uh, in Indonesia, what, what language is that? Do you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's ironic, Sarah. It's Bahasa is literally the word for language in Indonesia. So you could call it Indonesian, but a lot of times uh, we just end up using the word Bahasa. And uh, Bahasa as language um, is the language that mostly is used, although uh, we've been exploring uh, some of the other languages and uh, primarily the Batak people. So there's really uh, – I put my historian's hat on because I was I, – I, got graduate degrees from Wayne State University in uh, Detroit in, in history. And so I'm always kind of trying to look at things from a historical perspective. And and, and, and it's really uh, ironic when you think almost 200 years ago, I mean, what was Indonesia like? There were actually two American Baptist missionaries who were killed and eaten, literally, by the Batak people who were cannibals at that time. And uh, shortly after their martyrdom, uh, 30, 40 years, there was a Ludwig Nomensen, who was a German Lutheran missionary from the Rhenish Mission Society, Rhenish coming from Rhineland. And uh, he went there and, and basically had this, this vision to, 
to uh, spread the word of God in this land. And uh, so one of the really ironic things is I'm thinking, we just put out a child's garden of Bible stories in Batak, and we just got copies of it recently. Uh, it was completed November 2019. Nomenson did a child's, a, a basic ch- children's Bible story book in 1882. So, um, you know, here you're going almost uh, well over 100, almost 140 years. And, and, and now, once again, we're getting books uh, in that language, and people are really excited to get this. Yeah, thanks be to God for that work and, and for your ability to uh, to keep bringing those books to children in Indonesia. What else is happening uh, in, in the Southeast Asian region? There's What, what else is going on with, uh, with translation there? Well, um, right now we just we just have a whole large number of books in in Bahasa. Now Batak we're just starting with um, because uh, a, a lot of Batak too uh, the language is in the Borneo uh, Bornea uh, Seminary. Now th- those were Lutheran back in Nomenson's time, but they've kind of since become since of course Germans the, their own state church became more what you call evangelical, a mix of Reformed and Lutheran. Um, they're they're fairly large these seminaries and they're looking for books so right now we are just about completing and uh, getting ready to go to print with a a first portion of the book of concord in bahasa because we've had this demand from seminary students actually and the borneo seminary this is kind of an interesting thing when when i ask people uh, when i go to churches i ask them you know what are the largest lutheran countries in the world and you know they they're always surprised to see okay there's a couple of african countries tanzania and uh, ethiopia that are, are rising in the numbers and then you have the old germany sweden but the fifth largest country is Indonesia, and and that's five and a half million, but they've kind of lost some of that Lutheran distinctiveness, and uh, so they're really kind of interested in in restoring that. And we're kind of working through some people we know in Lutheran Church of Australia who have inroads there, and uh, so we're we're doing some of that translation. We we did uh, just this past year also Lutheranism 101 for kids. And so it's kind of neat to see the picture there. You know, you got Indonesian-looking kids with a baseball cap on backwards. And, uh, but, you know, once again, kind of getting an understanding of Christianity from a Lutheran perspective. And uh, that, that's some of the things that we were really thrilled to be able to do. Uh, because, you know, Indonesia itself is the largest Muslim country in the world. 229 million Muslims. And while it's the... Uh, fifth largest Lutheran country, five and a half million. I mean, that's a drop in the bucket compared to 229 million when you think of those numbers. So uh, we really have some open doors. It's just right now, it's it's incredible the opportunities we have. Uh, in particular right now, um, Indonesia, although it's the largest Muslim country in the world, it has this... Uh, uh, at least this acceptance of diversity within the public schools, meaning that they actually teach religion. Now, naturally, most of that's Islam, but uh, they open it up to Christians. Christians are, are able to teach the Christian faith in state schools in Indonesia. And so they're always, the Christians there who teach are always short of books, and they're, you know, gee, what can you do for us? And so, I mean, what we provide uh, is probably a drop in the bucket, but it is it is a start uh, with what we can do and to have these opportunities, not only to go into 
schools and have Christians teach, but we, it's a predominantly Muslim population. So you have Muslim kids who are reading Luther's catechism. They love the fact that we have workbook in Bahasa. So, you know, teachers always love, okay, what do we, how do we keep the kids occupied and, and, and focused on a lesson? Well, they, we have the workbook that we've translated, the catechism itself. So to me, the irony is sometimes where, unfortunately, in the Western world, we've kind of thought, yeah, we've kind of ignored this treasure, uh, Martin Luther's small catechism that explains the faith. Here we have Muslim kids learning the catechism in Indonesia. <laughs> we have just about, uh, what do we have, about three and a half minutes left. Um, what other Have stories? Can long you already? No, <laughs> what other stories can you share with us today? Um, I, I know that the, that LHF is doing work in, in other countries as well. Um, do you have enough? Uh, I mean, can you share with us? Is is two or three minutes enough time to share another story with us today? <laughs> well, I, I can, I, you know, I can maybe just go up a little bit there because I mean, Southeast Asia is is really a, a hotbed for activity in the Christian faith, and. Uh, so uh, we have more and more work being done in Cambodia as we speak. And we found a really, really good representative, uh, uh, Reverend Sopa Korn. Uh, Sopa has an interesting background because he was, and I always tell people, this is kind of how people come to the faith. He was Buddhist, naturally, as most Cambodians were. But because of a lack of funds, he had to uh, live in a dorm, and he lived near Christian students, and he saw their behavior. He became more intrigued by Christianity. He began to read, and he became a believer. You know, here's the first step. Great. He becomes a believer because Christians actually witness to the faith. And uh, so Sopa became a believer, but he had become uh, part of an evangelical church that really focused on works righteousness. And uh, he said, you know, I felt the burden. I felt the burden of always trying to fulfill the law, and I couldn't quite do it. And uh, that's when he got in contact with some Lutherans and uh, began to read about, yeah, I, I am a sinner. I'm going to fall again. I'm going to fall every day. And yet, by my baptism, I know that God has put his mark on me, and I am redeemed by Christ and I live this battle of the faith that Paul talks about in Romans 7, up and down, up and down, the Luther's notion of the old man and the new man throwing each other on the wrestling mat. You know, it's, it's <laughs> that understanding that this is going to happen, and, and it gives me a type of peace to know that Christ has done all for me and that I'm going to fall, but I can get back up every single day because God has redeemed me through Christ. And so Sopa is just a, a great representative uh, to a lot of the Cambodians for us in explaining the faith. And he's been very active uh, in, in spreading the word uh, throughout the country. I've been on trips with him uh, going uh, throughout the country and, and just kind of seeing, uh, you know, the uh, everywhere you go, you just see these, these Buddhist statues at every roundabout as you enter a new town or city and uh, realizing, you know, the great work that is needed and yet the desire, the desire that is there in places like Indonesia, in places like Cambodia, in places like Thailand, in places like Malaysia. Um, we're, so the work is going on, <laughs> even while we're sequestered. We continue to <laughs> speak to people. We have a match program. We have a donor who, who matches people's gifts. So, for example, this Batak Children's Bible Storybook, it basically t costed 
uh, about 450 to pr- produce each book. And that donor will match uh, one-to-one each donation. So if somebody gave $25, for example, for about five books, that becomes 10 books because the donor will match five more. And so we get these opportunities uh, throughout the year to double people's gifts. And we just tell them, you know, you know, we, we're, we're focused right now on coronavirus on that first death. But there is that second death, the eternal death and separation from Christ. And uh, so we need to think about this again. And I hear the music going, so I better slow down. <laughs> Check <laughs> out lhfmission.org. Thank you so much, Dr. Heisey. The Coffee Thanks, Hour with Andy, Andy and Sarah. Is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm